down to South America. Uh, he preached a message, and he used a balloon as an illustration. <laughs> I don't remember what the message was, but I remember the balloon, though. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And he let a balloon go in the church that morning, and that's, that was prophetic, what they just did. They let several balloons go, so we can expect an equal, equal and opposite reaction. Amen? Thank you, Lord. That was just, Lord, thank you this morning. I just want to pray and just really bless you, Lord Jesus. Lord, let this really, uh, just really you really want to prophetically speak to us today, Lord. I really believe that, and and it's in just everything we do, and everything that's said. So I just bless you for that, Lord, and thank you, Lord. Thank you for the your presence, Lord Jesus. Thank you for all you've done for us. Hallelujah. You know, if you got anything in your heart that you need to forgive somebody of, I think right now would be a good time to do that. <laughs> so, Lord, we just want to give a chance right now for forgiveness. It's such a great thing to receive it, Lord, but also to give it. So if you've, if you've had some things in your heart um, against someone, just, you know, I think, the Lord, there's this grace right now to release that and just let it go. And I really believe that's what the Lord's saying. I think you'll really get a, a blessing if you'll do that. You really will feel the, feel the Lord's release on you this morning. It's forgiveness. Amen? So just, let's just take a second here and just, you know, just do that. Just anything the Lord brings to your heart, or, or just somebody's got some issues you've been been boiling around in there, and it's just gonna, it's just gonna uh, infect you if you're not careful. If you just need to let it go right now, it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. <clears throat> the Lord, it's gonna take care of that situation for you. He'll, fi- he'll fix it for you. If you'll just make up your mind, the Lord will change your heart. He just, he's, the Lord in you is a forgiving God. And he's just got such a grace for forgiveness because He really does ask us to forgive. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's, okay, we're going to have a little short message this morning because we've got some really important things to do. So, many, so much so I had to make a list to make sure I didn't forget nothing. But I want you to turn in your Bible to Mark. Um, This is interesting. Mark 11. This week in the paper, there was an ad, or not an ad, but an article about callers dialing for God get South Carolina's couple's phone. Callers dialing for God get South Carolina's couple's phone. Prompted by the movie Bruce Almighty. And uh, it's an interesting article that there was evidently a telephone number in the in the movie, and people are calling that number, hoping that God will be on the other end of the line. And you know that's probably a pretty good phone call actually to make. The problem is, is it was somebody's house. <laughs> it was a Baptist couple. They they call them beleaguered beleaguered Baptists. But he does not live in this house, says beleaguered Baptists. That was a sad <laughs> I bet if you're getting phone calls all day, you'd probably say that too. But I think it really indicates, you know, the real hunger out there in the world from people to hear from God. Is that right? I mean, you know, people are going to do something like that thinking that 
that could happen. People are hungry to hear from God. They really are. And, you know, I'm hungry to hear from God. Aren't you? I mean, I'm real hungry to hear from Him. And if I had a telephone number where I felt like I could get Him online, I probably would, I, I, probably nothing, I would call that number immediately. <laughs> I would run from here and go call that number. Um, so I want to read Mark 11, just, uh, verse 1 through 6. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, He sent two of His disciples And he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has set. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, What are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Um, if you remember a couple, two or three weeks ago, I talked to you and I read the scripture to you. And the word there uh, in verse 4 in the King James Version of the Bible, it says, They found the colt in a place where two ways meet. Y'all remember that? In a place where two ways meet. And I talked to you a little bit about this uh, dream I had where I came upon an intersection in the dream. And I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about these intersections uh, in life that we encounter where the natural and the supernatural realm intersect. It's like the crossroads that we come to. Um, and, And I believe those things are very important for us to recognize when we're at one of those intersections. Because if you're not careful, you could miss the, the supernatural intervening in our life. And God really wants the supernatural to intervene in our life. He, there really is a supernatural kingdom. In fact, one of the prayers that Jesus, the most popular prayer there is in the whole earth, is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is really a, a prayer that God has asked us to pray, to ask that the kingdom of God, the, the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm, come into our earthly realm. And, you know, I talked to you about how it's so easy for us to miss these uh, intersections because some of them are not real spectacular. You know, there are spectacular ones, like when Philip was translated in the Bible. It was a spectacular thing that happened that day. But there are not so spectacular things that I believe that are happening around us all the time. And it is, it is those places where we have to really be sensitive to the Lord to know that the kingdom of God is suddenly right there. The spiritual realm is ready to intervene and to manifest itself into the natural realm. And <clears throat> that's one of the things I talked to you about a couple of weeks ago is one of the ways we can find that is just through simply reading the Bible, how the Bible really is a... Intersection, but turn to Matthew seven. I want to show you another one this morning. Matthew seven, verse twenty-one. This is another intersection I think that's really critical for us. It's um, in verse twenty-one, Matthew seven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Everybody say, does the will of my Father. Thy kingdom come, thy will be, what? Done. 
thy will be done. See, God is interested in not just us knowing about the will of God. He, God is very much interested in us doing the will of God. And, do, and in doing the will of God, then that is where this, that's where a divine intercession can happen in our life. As we do the will of God, the kingdom of God, the supernatural realm can break into your life. Amen? And that, so it's really important. Uh, the disciples had to do exactly what Jesus told them to do. When he says, go to a certain place, and you're going to find a colt there tied, and, and you had to go to that specific place and do as exactly as he asked them to do for them to be able to find that colt. And the colt was like the provision. And, and, and that's what, for us, that's what the cult is represented of. The very thing that God has for us in our life, His provision for us, is found in those intersections. It's found there in that place, and we have to do as exactly as He says to do to be able to discover His provision, right? That's where it's going to be, right where He said it was going to be. But if we don't do what He told us to do, and when we get there, respond the way He said respond, then we'll miss what He has. Amen? Are you with me? And he goes on and says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In other words, he was saying, because these people didn't have this divine connection with me, he wasn't even involved in what they were doing. It wasn't even coming from his heart at all. It was coming from what they were doing. They were on their own, basically. Doing, you know, doing miraculous things, but they weren't doing it in Christ. They were doing it outside of Christ. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, verse 24, and does them. You see, it's not just hearing teaching. It's not just hearing preaching. It's not just hearing it. It's whoever hears them and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. That's that's the key, is hearing the Word, hearing God's will, and doing God's will is what's going to protect you. That's how you build for the storm. That's why so many people collapse and crash when the storms come, because the storms do come. There's no way around that. They come, and your, and they, your life is going to be tested. What you're doing is going to be tested. Who you are is going to be tested. And if you have built on the rock, built on the sayings of Christ, on what Christ has told you to do in, in a very objective sense, you know, just by reading the Scripture and what it says objectively that we're supposed to do, and subjectively those personal things that He's put in your heart to do and ask you to do, then when the, when the temptations come, when the storms come, you're going to be able to stand. Because they are going to come. But everyone who hears these sayings, verse 26 of mine, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So, um, <clears throat> if you don't do them, you're going to be in trouble, in other words, putting it quite bluntly and quickly. Um, so here's some principles about the will of God. This is what I want to talk to you Principles about the will of God. Number one, Jesus made his, his will clear to his disciples. Okay, this is the first principle that most Christians find, a, this is opposite of what's taught in the church pretty much, that God's will is some big mystery. That's really not what the Bible teaches. God wants us to know His will. He wants us to know. He's more committed us for, for, for us to know His will than we are committed to, to knowing His will. We have taught it that it's got to be some mysterious thing that you've got to jump through 97 hoops to find it out and fast for 43 days and 
you know, beg you know, and gravel and crawl around and act like an idiot. And that's just not what the Bible teaches. God wants us to know His will. Because He is not going to hold you accountable for something that He's not going to tell you. If I want my son to cut the grass and I don't tell him to do it, am I going to come home and rant and rave at him like some idiot? Of course not. So God's not going to hold you accountable for things you don't know. Now, God will withhold His will. Okay? There are times He withholds. And there's this, like three things that I know the reason He withholds. One is protection. Sometimes God wants us to do stuff and He knows we're not going to do it. So He just won't tell you because He knows this is what's going to happen. He's going to tell us and we won't do it and that's a sin. So He's protecting us from sinning. Another one's timing. He knows, man, if I tell that... If I tell that boy I want him to do that, he's going to go ahead and do it. It's not time to do it yet. So I'm going to wait till it's time because he knows some of us are very anxious to do what he's called us to do. So if he says, you know, if he just told Luis two years ago, you're going to go down and start a missionary training school, heck, he'd already be down there getting just beat all to pieces because he went early. You know, so it's, it's, that's, again, a protection thing. But God, there, there, time, there is a divine timing connected with God's will. If you remember the uh, wedding where Jesus performed his first miracle, the wedding at Cana, Jesus' mama came to him and said, they're out of wine. He was saying, yeah, you know, he wasn't doing nothing at that moment. But a couple minutes later, or however long it was, he was turning water into wine. It could be a couple minutes from now, God reveals something fantastic to you. And the third thing that I've known about God's will is God wants to cause us, and when we're pursuing this, it's a dependency thing. We always have to be dependent on the Lord, and he uses... He uses it to draw us to Him so we'll seek God and have a relationship. We need to know God's will about certain things, so we're going to get close to God and talk to Him. Right? We're going to, I need to know about this, Lord. I need to talk to you about this. So He'll use those three things, protection, timing, and, and dependency, to get us, you know, to, when He doesn't show us His will. But generally speaking, normally speaking, God wants His people to know His will. Let's get that in our hearts and get that old teaching that's been taught in the church for years that God's trying to hide everything. We've used that Scripture, it, and I've used it, but it's wrongly used. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of kings to search it out. Well, that's a good thing, but God does not want to just conceal Himself from us in a, in a negative sense. Um, Psalm 51, verse 12, uphold me by your generous spirit. Listen, let's get to seeing God as generous. You hear what I'm saying to you? Too many Christians see God as being stingy and hold back and standoffish, and God is opposite of that. He's generous. He wants to lavish things on us. And the reason we're not experiencing that is because we believe He doesn't want to. I mean, some of the most blessed, successful Christians I know are people who believe God's generous. They just flat believe He is, and somehow or another they walk in this generosity of God. And we need to know that about His will. God is generous with His will. He wants you to know it. So there's something in your life today that you need to know. You've got to believe that God wants me to know this. Amen? Principle number one. All right, number two. Okay. First Kings 17. Let's turn there right quick. <clears throat> Because, here's the thing about doing the will of God. You can't do it unless you know it, right? How am I going to do His will unless I know it? You know, if the Lord wants me to go back there and slap Andy right now, He's got to tell me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. See, because Andy's real slim and he 
might not be able to beat me up if he tried. But I wouldn't go slap somebody that was real big. God would really have to speak something big to me. I'm just kidding. But anyway, uh, all right, this in 1 Kings 17, this is, uh, this, I love this because this is Elijah's introduction to us. I mean, this is, this is crazy. This is Elijah, one of the greatest people in the world, prophetically, and this is how he was inter- introduced in the Bible. And Elijah the Tishbite, so there he is, all of a sudden, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, just said that he's, he's a Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. That's who this guy was. He doesn't really tell us a whole lot about him, which is pretty, pretty abnormal in the Bible, actually, because most people... In the Bible, significant people, it starts telling you who their daddy was and who their granddaddy was, you know, where they were. And, you know, it gives you a lot about their background, but not Elijah for some reason. That's sort of a mystery. Okay, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain through these years except at my word. So here he is prophesying to the king that it's not going to rain for three years. <clears throat> Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the book Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did, everybody say did, did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So here's, uh, here's the second principle. God usually reveals his will one step at a time. Okay, everybody say one step. You see, here's the way we work, are about the will of God. We want to know all of it. We want to know every detail, and we want to know where the money's going to be coming in and exactly what day and exactly what account it's going to be in before we do a thing. Now, you think about Elijah. This guy was powerful prophetically, and he only knew the will of God one step at a time. You hear what I'm saying to you? One step. Now, here's the way it works. If you're going to really follow the Lord, it's going to take faith. It's going to take you making a step. Here's what you have to do. If I'm walking in this room and it's dark and I'm taking a step, I'm going to feel in front of me. Say I'm feeling here. I'm not feeling anything under me. I realize I, I can't make that step. You see what I'm saying? That's the way the will of God is. We feel like God's saying, go forward. So I feel oh, there's floor under me. There's something under me. So I can make that step and pull my other foot to me. That's exactly how God expects us to walk spiritually. He'll reveal one thing to you, and then He waits on you to make that one step. If you don't make the step, then you're never going to get to where He wants you to go. You hear what I'm saying to you? And that's why many of us, the will of God is such a mystery, because God's already given us a step to take, but we didn't take it. Therefore, we can never, the next step that's, that's supposed to be there, it's not going to happen for us. It's one step at a time. And let me just say this. If God does give you many steps, okay, about His will, then you're probably going to be in big trouble. You hear what I'm saying? Honestly. It's because, you, it's, it's because there's going to be such a trial and such a difficulty associated with His will. He had to show you all this. You know, just so you'll know, this was God. And I'm going to get killed and there's going to be bombs dropping. So... If the Lord's showing you a lot of detail, you need to be afraid. Like, oh, no, trouble's coming. I mean, that's the truth. 
Trouble's coming, and you needed to know it. The higher the revelation, the more accountability we're going to have. To, him, to whom much is given, much is expected is, is, is a principle. But he, this is how he did it with Elijah. He said, go to the brook, and you'll be fed there. So he went to the brook, and then the next step, the brook dried up. He, had, he didn't know what he was supposed to do then. And it goes on in verse 8. Then the, Lord, then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a wither there to provide for you. That was the next step. But he did not know the next step until he took the first step. You understand what I'm saying? Which brings up the third principle. This is really important. God's will is normally for a specific place and time. See, the ravens were going to drop the food by the brook. You may have said, or Elijah may have said, Well, Lord, I'd really rather hang around over here in Shiloh. That's where I want to be, Lord. But the Lord's saying, but the birds that are going to feed you, they're dropping the food over here. See, a lot of times we feel like we want to be in a certain place, but God's saying, that's not where I want you. See, His will is specific. He does want us to be in a specific place, like He told the disciples exactly where to go and get that donkey. It was a specific thing. And that's where the will of God was at. And there's that specific time aspect associated with it. And now here's the thing about most Christians. Most Christians forget that the Scripture that talks about us being bought at a price. You, you, you remember that one? Your life is no longer yours. That's real important to remember concerning the will of God is that God gets to make the decisions about your life. Not You don't get to make those decisions. And that's what's wrong with many of us is we're making the decisions. God doesn't have the right all that hollering just ruined my, ruined me. Okay? <clears throat> this place that the Lord told Elijah to go, go to Zarephath, was not even a Christian, quote, Christian place. It wasn't outside of Israel. It was a crazy place to go to. And what was even crazier, there was, it was a widow. Who's, you know, I don't know which one's worse, the ravens or the, or the widow. I mean, none of them really make a whole lot of sense. That's the terrible thing about God's will. So it just doesn't make sense sometimes. It's illogical. It's crazy. And, and when you follow it, you're just going to have to put your logic down sometimes. Okay? Remember this. A place where two ways meets. Say crossroads. You see what that means? The cross. It, it's going to take the cross for you to find God's will. Meaning you can't do what you want to do, what your flesh desires to do. That's pretty basic Christianity, isn't it? It really is, but everybody's scrambling around to know the will of God when the Lord's saying the cross is the will of God. That's the crossroads. Do what I want you to do, not what you want to do. And I guarantee you, Elijah had no interest in going out and hanging around with these ravens feeding him. Or he had no interest in going down here with some widow person who didn't have anything about to die to take care of him. I mean, I wouldn't blame him. Are you all with me? Coming to the end. Number three, that was number three. Number four, turn to Matthew, back to Matthew 7. Oh. <clears throat> Matthew 7. Verse 7. All right, here's great scripture. Everybody knows this one. Ask and it will be given to you. Seeking it. And you will find, knocking it will be open to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Amen? That's pretty, pretty powerful, isn't it? So, the will of God, this is the last principle, number four, is discovered not by wondering what the will of God is. I wonder what the will, I wonder what the Lord wants me to do. That ain't going, you're not going to find it like that. You're going to find it by being purposeful, by asking and seeking and knocking. Okay? And that means, find in this context means to find on purpose. That's the way God wants to live, on purpose, not by accident. On purpose we find His will. Uh, it's interesting, the, that word knock, because in America, we knock on doors. You know, if you want to go into somebody's house, you knock on the door, right? Is that right? That's how it, In Africa, you know what they do? They don't knock on doors. They call out. They come to the front door and call out. If somebody knocks on the door, and, now this is in not every culture, but in some cultures in Africa, if they, somebody comes knocking on the door now, in some cultures in Africa, they get the guns out thinking there's a robber trying to make some noise outside to see if anybody's inside. That, don't they clap in South America? They clap to get people to come. Now, so, let's just think about this. Let's think about this. I think this is what you can do about the will of God. I think you can call out for it. Right? You know, knock and it'll be open. In other words, call out for the will of God. Do like the Africans do. Or clap for it. I mean, because spiritually, there's nothing to knock on spiritually. Right? I mean, my hand, I mean, I'm just knocking on nothing. But with my words, I think I can call out for the will of God that I need and that God is generous to give. Because He just said it. I'll give it to you. I won't give you something bad. We need to, we need to be purposeful and call forth for it. Lord, I call forth for the answer for this thing I'm looking for. I call forth for it. I speak it out. I call forth for you to release it to me. Do y'all have that? On purpose do that. And I believe you'll have His will. Amen? So that's the end of that. Now, <clears throat> we have so many things to do this morning. I just wanted to just give you a quick summary about the will of God. And, you know, somebody's going to need it here next week when they're headed down to South America. And some others are going to need it uh, while they're headed to Charlotte or to work, you know. <laughs> All right, the first thing we want to do this morning, uh, Jim, you want to come up. We're going to, we're going to recognize a couple of CSM graduates. That's right. Woo! Uh, Jim went last week over to Living Waters and recognized one of them. CSM. It's, it's interesting. I had forgotten about releasing that balloon when we moved to South America 12 years ago. And I released one balloon. I think they released five this morning. And the Lord spoke to me that what we're doing right now is 500% more powerful than what we did 12 years ago. 
And there have been many people saved, many people filled with the Holy Spirit, several ministries launched, and a lot of stuff going on. So, uh, wow. Get ready for a ride. Um, for the last two years, we have uh, two people that um, are graduating from Christ School of Ministry today. We started out with a fairly large group that graduated last year. And then in the second um, year of the operation of the school, we allowed um, a very few people to sort of blend in with the class that was going through. And two of those have completed two years a fairly intensive study, and I wanted to recognize and honor them this morning because this, is, this represents a significant body of work. Um, it's a two-year course of study. Um, it requires three hours of class time each week, and the average is somewhere between six and ten hours of outside work a week. Um, and so that, that represents a, a, a significant body of work over an extended period of time. Um, I wanted to read uh, just a few scriptures here uh, from uh, Colossians chapter 1. It says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is, this is probably really out of sequence, but I'm just really feeling like I need to do this. Allison Crowley, could you come up here and stand? And John Paul Crowley, could you come up here and stand also? Uh, these are the two that are graduating. It's really odd for um, a father and daughter to go through a course of study together. And, but it, I've, I've really seen this. To, and so I wanted to start reading this scripture over again from Colossians. And as I read this, I want you to pray because I really do believe the Lord.